Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. You know, every Sabbath we say when we come into this building, into any Seventh-day Adventist church, we say, Happy Sabbath. And I, and I wanted to say Happy Sabbath to you all. But I know that for a family of ours, it's not a happy Sabbath today. Because we live on planet Earth. I know it was probably brought out to you before, but I was in the back there, so I haven't heard I bring it back. Because I, I will miss George until Jesus comes. He was a great guy. Though he never went through the waters of baptism, I believe that he committed his life to Christ. He was a good Christian man. And I've known him from the first week, just like with Brenda. Because Brenda and Marilyn were very actively involved with Eastern Area Community Ministries, with community services, and they were here at church every day, and I was here too. I've, I've always remembered George and the good deeds that he did for this church. He was a good man. So I just wanted to express my condolences to the family, to Marilyn. I love you. And Lord, I pray that when that day comes, we'll rejoice together. That's what I wanted to say. Well, this weekend, our nation celebrates a holiday. What is the holiday? What is Monday? Labor Day. <laughs> Many believe that um, Matthew McGuire founded the holiday. And he proposed the holiday in 1882 while he was serving as the secretary of the Central Labor Union in New York. Do you know when was the first Labor Day holiday celebrated? It was celebrated on September 5, 1882, in New York City. You know what's funny about it? It was celebrated on a Tuesday. <laughs> it wasn't on a Monday. It was on a Tuesday. Question. What do people do on Labor Day, on this holiday? <laughs> Rest. They take off from work, right? 
the, the, the Department of Labor defines this, you know, they rest as a tribute, people rest as a tribute to the contribution of workers. And I, I, I looked at it and I was like, huh, I really like this idea to rest as a tribute to the contribution of workers. So today I'm going to present you this same idea of resting as a tribute to the work somebody else did for us. And I want to present it how it works in our physical as well as in our spiritual life. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for granting us another opportunity to open your word and to be taught from you. It is a special weekend, this weekend, and Lord, as we associate to what's going on around us, I pray that we could make a spiritual application for our spiritual life. Thank you for providing a message for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you know that Christians have a Labor Day? In fact, it's not only for Christians, it's for everyone. God set aside a day, a Labor Day, a day to take off and rest. And it's not an annual holiday, it's a weekly holiday, or I should call it a weekly holy day, right? When you read the Bible, in the first couple of pages of the Bible, you learn that God is the creator of everything you see, you smell, you touch. God is the creator. And when he finished his wonderful, magnificent creation, he gave, he gave us a holiday or a holy day called the Sabbath. And on this day, we are called to take off from work or any other gainful activity, and rest, and pay tribute to the Creator. So the first Labor Day was celebrated when? September 5, 1882. Do you know when the first Labor Day for Christians was celebrated? <laughs> well, I mean for all of us? <laughs> At the end of the week of creation. That's when it was, at the end of the week of creation. The Christian Labor Day, the Sabbath, was celebrated the very first week of planet Earth. And the Sabbath was given, by the way, to mankind. Not to the Jews only, as some people believe. Some people believe it was just for Jews. Well, when God celebrated the Sabbath with the first couple on Earth... There were no Jews. It was just humans, people. Guess why did God divide darkness from light and he called the darkness night? For rest. He created night for rest. That was the first day of creation. And in about six days of hard creative work, the Bible says in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, you can look it up for yourself, Genesis 2, 1 to 3, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. 
And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he did what? He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. What day God blessed and sanctified? Sanctified means set aside to be different, to be outstanding from the rest. Which day did God bless and sanctified? The Bible says then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. My friends, God rested on the seventh day of the week. Going back to day one of creation. The day and the night were created with a purpose. From the very first day of creation. God set rest in that cycle. But when we discovered electricity and when we invented man-made lights, right? <laughs> then... We keep working. That's why we have second shift, third shift. <laughs> we keep working. I remember when I, when I arrived in the U.S., in my first year in the U.S., back in 1992, I worked for 11 months. I worked third shift, making $5.10 an hour. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was given a raise every three months, 10 cents. I was happy about it. But, you know, I worked for six months, and I, I, I did third shift because I had to go to school during the day. I did painting jobs during the day. So I worked with almost no rest, and I had to stop because otherwise I would have died. I would not be here today. So God put rest into our life. In fact, we need rest to live. Keep this principle in mind because we're going to come back to it. We need rest to live our physical life. And we need rest to live our spiritual life. The fourth commandment is about how to keep the Sabbath holy. <clears throat> and it's, for us as Seventh-day Adventists, it's, it's great to talk about this. We're going to move from this in a little while. Remember the Sabbath day, the Lord said, and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. <clears throat> the fourth commandment is, it can be summarized like work so that you can stop working. Work six days. Rest on the seventh. In my observation, I've come to realize that if there is no planning, there is no Sabbath. If people don't plan the week with the Sabbath in mind, there is no Sabbath rest. Because God commanded us to work and do all our work. Then come to stop and rest and worship Him as Creator and Redeemer. He said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember. Remember. See, the Israelites, Israelites had been captives for nearly 400 years in Egypt. And Egypt was a pagan country. 
And now as they were coming out of Egypt, as they were coming out of that pagan context, God called them to remember His holy day. They knew it. But now they were called to remember it. And in that regard, I believe that God calls us all Christians, and not just Christians, but all humanity. He calls us to remember His holy day, the Sabbath. God knew in His foreknowledge that we're going to be surrounded and overwhelmed with things to do. And just like the Israelites, we're in the same danger of forgetting God's holy day. So, I think you and I can agree that we need rest. In Matthew 28, now how do we get the rest? And there are two types of rest, but today we're going to take another angle looking at this. We're going to look more at the spiritual rest. In Matthew 11:28, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you what? Rest. Come to me. All you who labor, and I will give you rest. Rest is essential to life. To physical life, and we all agree about that. And to our spiritual life. I think everyone here agrees that we need rest for our physical life. But have you considered rest for your spiritual life. As Seventh-day Adventists, we believe that Sabbath is a celebration of creation and a celebration of redemption. Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and I will give you rest. I know some of you may smile because you remember this. We, we had an entire Sabbath school lesson dedicated to this Bible verse in July. By the way, Sabbath School Lessons is a series of Bible studies published every quarter. And we study these lessons in small groups on Sabbath morning here at 945. And these lessons are conveniently broken down for each day. It's like a Bible study devotional each day. So that then on Sabbath, Saturday, Sabbath, we come and we debrief. And we discuss what we've learned throughout the week. And what's interesting is this is published by the General Conference, by the headquarters of the Worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church. And what was discussed this morning in Melvin's class is what was discussed seven hours ago in my mom's class in Romania. Same. That's what makes Seventh-day Adventist Church unique and different than the rest. It's the same. So I just wanted to, to bring that out because some, some people may not know. So today, Sabbath school lesson was discussed in over 200 languages. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's interesting. Um, so back to what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28. He said, come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you Rest. We all agreed earlier, rest is essential to life. We need rest to live. And as Seventh-day Adventists, we, we've always committed and understood the, 
the fourth commandment, which calls for the weekly rest from our gainful activity. And in my life, I have a whole section of my testimony, life testimony with stories of observing the Sabbath under communist regime. The weekly, the seventh day of the rest is commanded by God. And it will play an important role in the last days. And it becomes harder and harder to observe the seven-day Sabbath. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. Jesus is talking here more than just physical rest. Remember, rest is essential to life. Rest is essential to physical life. And rest is essential to our spiritual life. And we observe the Sabbath as memorial of creation because at the end of the week, God rested. And we celebrate and observe the Sabbath, the seven-day Sabbath, because at the end of Christ's redemptive work, He rested in the grave on the seven-day Sabbath. And there are many parallels between God's work of creation and His work of redemption. See, in the creation, we're told that God brought light into darkness. He brought perfect form where there was chaos. He brought life where there was no life, and He created humans into His image. In His redemptive work, God does similarly. He brings light to people living in darkness. He brings life to those who are dead in their sins, and He recreates humans into His image and will restore mankind to their Adamic perfection. In Genesis 2, 1 and 2, we read this about God earlier, but this is what is said about God. The heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished, and on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. So here we see that God worked and then rested. The reality for Adam is the opposite. First, he entered into God's rest since the seven-day Sabbath was his first full day of life. And after entering God's rest on the seventh day, then he worked. Do you see the difference between God and us as we relate to rest? Adam first rested, then he worked. Have you ever worked hard at your Christian life, at your Christian behaviors and attitudes? You know, many sincere Christians put forth efforts continually to overcome their sins and temptations. They put efforts to the best of their abilities, and then, and then they ask God to bless their efforts. And I know I've I've been there. I've done that. I have whole lists that I wanted to do. Because I wanted to do. But because of their sinful nature's power, these efforts ultimately fail. And as a result, Christians become discouraged, frustrated. And even they question, am I a Christian? 
The problem the struggling Christian has is not that he or she doesn't want to obey God. The problem is that they don't know that they need to rest first. This is so much hope and freedom when it comes to God's redemptive, redemptive work for us. Think with me for a moment. The same sequence is true concerning the human redemptive work, the human redemption. In Christ, God completed the work of redemption through his sinless life, through his death and resurrection. We begin experiencing God's redemptive work in our life by resting in what God has already done for us. We rest in the fact that Jesus died for our sins and has given us eternal life as a free gift. We rest in the fact that righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus covers us. We rest in the fact that at the cross, the power of our sinful nature was broken and we're now free to serve God. We daily rest in the fact that Christ lives in us through His Holy Spirit and He lives in and through us if we simply invite Him to fill us. See, my friends, once we rest in these principles of truth, we are able to fully and faithfully serve and obey God. This spiritual rest is necessary for us to faithfully serve God. By rest, I mean that we accept by faith what Jesus did for our salvation. In, in, in Hebrews 4, Hebrews chapter 4, Paul brings a similar description of the same concept of rest. Hebrews 4, verses 9 to 10, or uh, verses 9 to 11. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of unbelief. You know, we apply that to our physical rest, but just as the same principle that works with our physical rest, it also applies to our spiritual rest. Verse 10 says, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. When we enter into God's rest, we cease our own efforts. We are told that it's important that we seek to enter into this rest. Otherwise, we will fail in our obedience to God due to unbelief. My friends, the only way to victory over temptation and sin is to rest in the fact that Jesus abides in us and allow Him to live His life through us. We must rest in that truth through faith and not hinder God's work of salvation in our life by trying to work or trying to exercise our own effort to obey. Our part is to believe and to choose to let Jesus live his obedient life in us and through us.
We are to rest in His completed work for us. You know, at the cross, He completed His work for you and me. On the cross, He declared for me and you, it is finished. My friends, we need to rest in that truth. In that truth, we can we 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 <clears throat> we may do it in our physical life to work and then rest, but we'll never be able to do it in our spiritual life. Can you imagine saying at the end of the day, you come at the end of the day and say, "Whew, this was quite a day." I resisted the temptation. I fought back against those triggers. I, did do, I didn't do that or I did that. Man, it was a hard day. I worked hard at my spiritual life today. Now I need some rest. Can you imagine that? That's not how it works, isn't it? Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. He's not forcing us. It is an invitation. But the invitation is in imperative form. And those of you who love grammar, you know what imperative is. It's kind of like a command. It's an invitation. You don't have to do it. But if you want to have rest, he's saying, you and I must come to Jesus. In other words, if you want rest, come is not optional. Come represents the precondition of finding rest. Come means that we need to surrender control. And in a time when we conveniently control many things in our lives via smartphones, coming to Jesus is not a natural direction. In fact, for most of us, surrender is the toughest part of our Christian life. I haven't met a Christian who says, oh man, yeah, I surrender everything. Nothing. It's all right. I don't plan. I, I just wait. It's the toughest. The toughest part of our Christian life. Why do we need to come to Jesus? We come to Jesus because He promises, I will give you rest. Spiritual rest. See, my friends, many of us try to work Christianity our own way. We come up with rules. Or we scare people. Judgment, the end of the world, hell, and all the rest of the scary stuff. Right? Oh, yeah. I don't want to be judged and found wanting. I don't want to, to, to be found not ready for heaven. I must work hard to be ready and stay ready. Right? I don't want to burn in hell, so I, I work hard to keep my behaviors in check and be a good Christian. But I fail. Will I burn in hell someday? I see the world is coming to an end. Jesus is coming soon. I see the signs all around me. I've been an Adventist all my life. I'm afraid of what I see. Will I be ready when he comes? I work hard to be ready. But I fail. What will I do and say when I see the King of Kings on the clouds of glory? Will I be able to see him face to face? Or will I run to the rocks and say, fall on me and cover me from the wrath of God? My friends, these are real questions that real people come and ask me all the time.
They want to obey, but they keep failing. One thing they don't know and understand is that they need to first rest. They need to know that we need to surrender, surrender even the idea to fight sin and temptation. We will not be successful. And yes, in the end, we could face judgment and not be ready. But things don't have to be that way. We don't have to strive hard. Because working our salvation is not working. I know it's like a play of words. But if you take anything from this sermon about your spiritual life, take this. Working is not working. Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and I will give you rest. An apostle Paul is using the same word when he explains how he's played in his life. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My friend, this Labor Day, you and I must understand the truth about our salvation. And the truth is, work is not working. We must come to Jesus. We must surrender to Jesus. We must be crucified with Christ. What happens when you're crucified? You die, right? We must be crucified with Christ. We must die to self so that Christ can dwell in us through His Spirit. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. That's found in John 14, 16 to 17. My friend, that is how this works. You come to Jesus and you find rest. Rest in what he has done for you. Rest in the fact that he washed away your sins on the cross. Rest in the fact that he broke the power of your sin on the cross. It is finished. Deal done. Just rest, which means to be crucified to self. Be crucified to your own efforts. Let Christ live in you by faith that the Holy Spirit, which is promised, dwells in you. You're now free to live a Christian life because it's not you who is doing it, but Jesus is doing it through the Spirit that dwells in you. That's exactly what we are inviting people into when we talk about these 40 days prayers and devotions to prepare for the second coming. That's just that. That's the way to do it. Is to surrender and to let God fill us with His Spirit so that we don't have to worry. We got to rest. The work of our salvation has been completed. No more work necessary. So we got a good number of people. 
uh, that signed up last week. And uh, I would like to give some details about this at this time. And I want to make it this, I want to make it as simple as possible because I want you, we want you to experience the benefit of participating. See, prayer, prayer is an important part of our spiritual growth. So what we encourage everyone who signed up to be a participant is to find a prayer partner. You may already have one. And if you do, that's great. Find a prayer partner. And we ask that, uh, that, that, that you will, will pick five people to pray for with your prayer partner. Ask God to give you five names. Maybe in your family, maybe your friends, maybe your neighborhood, maybe at work. Maybe people who you love to see, see them receiving Christ in their life. It may be people who have fallen away from church and you want them back. Five people. You might have a ton of them. I know I have a lot more than five, but I'm going to limit to five. Five. Only five. And uh, you will be praying for those five every day for 40 days. We also invite those who are bold enough. You will see this in the book right here when you receive it, but... Um, you know, uh, Pastor Dennis Smith advises that we call them, and I will call them, but I know some of you may not be bold enough to call them. But it, it is advised that you call them and say, hey, my church is doing 40 days of, of prayers and devotions and is suggesting that we pick five people. So you're one of my five. So I would like to pray for you. What can I pray for you? And you'll be surprised. Some people say, oh, thank you. That's great. And they will give you one or two things. And that's great. Pray for them. Pray for them. After service, we will give out the books, 40 Days Devotional Books. They are available. Pam will be situated in the back, uh, in the foyer right there uh, with the books. Then tomorrow, September 5, 2021, we begin reading a devotional each day. It's short. I mean, when you look, it's one page and a half. I mean, it's just quick. If you're a fast reader, you can be done with reading in five minutes. If you're a slow reader like myself, it might take you eight minutes. But it's, it's very easy. Very easy. Uh, and, and you do, we ask that you pray with your prayer partner each day or as many times as you can during the week. And then next Sabbath, that's why we have small groups. Um, because at the end of each week, we will come together as a group and we will debrief what we learned and we'll share stories of how God works in our lives and we'll encourage each other and we'll bring those things in and we'll do the same the following week. So it's exciting and encouraging to see how the Lord works in, in our lives when you meet in small groups. So there are two available times for group meetings. Um, there will be two groups after church beginning next Sabbath. Uh, and we would like to, to ask you to select which groups because it's good, it's good to stay with the same group. Um, and uh, it will be um, about 1.30 probably they're going to meet. Um, there will be two groups here after church in person 
And there will be two groups on Sunday night on Zoom at 7 p.m. So when you, when you go to Pam and ask for the book, she'll ask you what day do you want to be in the group, and, and uh, she'll mark you for, for that. So keep being active in prayers. Keep the Matterly family in your prayers this week. And keep resting in Jesus. He's done everything for you. He's done everything. Just rest in Jesus.